0: What we're looking at tonight is a story of two kings, two lands. Right? You got King Hezekiah, the king of Judah, and you got King Sennacherib. The first time I heard Sennacherib, I thought Snicker right? Like Snicker, the Snicker, the candy bar, and the Rib, right? Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. Two different worlds, one with military power and one with God's power, and these two. Lands; these two kingdoms, and we'll call it that, are going to go battle. But the coolest thing is God shows up in the battle, and he brings victory. We want to encourage you tonight, as we look at this, you may be in a battle, and it's this side against this side, and you're on this side right here, and on the other side is maybe some long-term illness, and you're thinking, how long, God? Or on the other side... It's my spouse or my child and my family's falling apart or on the other side is financial issues work issues and you're up against a wall and you're saying god god please be on my side each of us are going to face a battle it doesn't matter where you come from if you are a believer in christ you're in the battle no matter how long. If you got saved this last Sunday, how many of you here this past Sunday, right? And people came up for the altar call. They're in the battle now. So in the midst of this battle, how am I, I going to weather? How am I going to be successful in the midst of this battle? It says real simply in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the Gives us the what? Victory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we're going to find victory. Not in a church. Not in an organization. Not in your experience or lack thereof. You're going to find victory in your battles through the Lord Jesus Christ. As we look at this, we'll take a look simply at these two men that go head to head. Hezekiah and Sennacherib. And we're going to see As one wants to conquer a city, one wants to be controlled by God. We're going to look at how they interact, see the different attacks, and see how God shows up in the midst of this. Verse 1 simply says this. After these deeds of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered Judah. He encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them over to himself. So here, this is playing off 2 Chronicles chapter 31. This is in reference here. It says, after these deeds of faithfulness. Who, who, wrote, who were these deeds of faithfulness about? Hezekiah. Hezekiah became king when he was about 25 years old. He had reigned for about 29 years. And for the most part, King Hezekiah, well, he was a good king. He was a wise king. But like most of us, in our wisdom, sometimes we're foolish. So he did a couple of things that weren't as wise as they could have been. But the one thing that he had, did, had done was that he ushered in revival in the land of Judah. In chapter 31 of Second Chronicles, it says this, Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good and right and true before the Lord his God. And in every good work, he began in the service of the house of God, in law and in the commandment, to seek his God. He did it with all his heart. He did it with all his heart. In Espanol, corazón. Everyone say, corazón. Say it with a corazón. <laughs> okay. He did it with everything within him. Colossians chapter three verse twenty-three: Whatever you do, do it heartily with all your hearts, knowing it's the Lord that you're serving, and you, reser- you receive a reward from Him. Hezekiah got it right. He didn't make all the right decisions, but he understood to make decisions and to serve God with all of his heart. He cleaned out the temple. There were there was idolatry, statues, and he kicked that out. He took out the rubbish. He reestablished the service in the house of God. There were sacrifices again. There were singing. But most importantly, he reinstituted the Passover. Everyone familiar with the Passover in the Old Testament, right? The, The angel of death passing over that meal. He went back to what was important. Way too often in our walk with God, we get detoured. Maybe you're in a detour right now, and that's why there's a battle. Anyone like to take shortcuts? How many, how many like to find the shortest way to get to your destination, right? You do the GPS thing, right? You want to get there as quickly as you can, but sometimes you take that shortcut, and what happens? Sometimes it's longer than you expect. Uh, Proverbs three five six: 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. My brothers and sisters, guess what? God directs our path. Listen to him. Don't listen to all the other noise. Don't listen to all the other GPS systems out there. He's got the right one. So, Hezekiah does these great deeds of faithfulness. He inspired, he initiated revival in the land of Judah. That's Hezekiah. But now we got Sennacherib. He was cruel, he was ruthless, he was a meanie, right? He did not like what the Israelites were doing. He did not like what they stood for. They stood for the almighty God, Jehovah, Yahweh. They didn't like it. They're all about conquering. They're all about uh, taking over cities. And the Bible says here that they entered and they encamped. They set up a camping site in front of the land of Judah. They were ready. The Syrians had this brutal strategy they often would be heartless and merciless in the fact that if people of a city or an area resisted, they would cut off their heads and put their heads on stakes all around the city. That's brutal, right? It's almost like a billboard, like Assyrians, were here. Don't mess with us. It sent a message throughout all the land that you mess with us. This is your end. This was the Assyrians. And the Bible says here, thinking to win them over to himself. This was the idea that Syrians wanted to break the walls of Jerusalem. They wanted to capture and make the people of God vulnerable. See, the strategy was cut off their food, cut off their water, so nothing can come in, and guess what? They're ours. Hezekiah knew that. Remember, there's a revival that happened. And what's the first thing that happened after revival? There was an attack. There is an onslaught. My brothers and sisters, if you choose to make Jesus a priority, expect an attack. If you're thinking to there, should I serve or should I not serve? And you say, I'm gonna serve, expect the enemy to creep up on you. He's ready. And a lot of times in our walk with God, I'm sure Hezekiah was, God, there's this great revival. God, we're doing all these mighty things in your name. And all of a sudden, Sennacherib, Assyrians are after us? If I were Hezekiah, what's up with that, God? I'm, doing, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to follow your ways. I'm trying to listen to you as closely as I can. What's going on here? We go back to the life of Joseph, right, in Genesis. What the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. So whatever the enemy's got up in your life right now, God means it for good. It's all a matter of having that heavenly perspective, seeing God in the midst of those things. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 9 says... For a great and effective door has opened to me, but there are many adversaries. God's going to open some doors for you in your life, but you better believe there's going to be some attacks. You better believe it's not if, it's when, right? It's when the enemy attacks. Opposition will surely come when you follow the Lord, and it comes with the territory. If you call yourself a believer in Jesus Christ, If you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you're on the other side of the enemy. And he's going to do everything he can to get you on his side. Anyone been tempted this week? You don't have to raise your hand, but if you do, praise God. You're honest, right? But all of us have been tempted to do something that's not pleasing to the Lord. That was the enemy. But praise God, he gives us strength to resist that. You might be here and saying, God, I'm so blessed, but all of a sudden, once I started serving in the children's ministry, my son's school called and he said he's skipping class. As soon as I started sharing the gospel with my coworker, all of a sudden my wife and I aren't seeing eye to eye. You know what I'm talking about here? The moment you step into that zone, zone, into that place, and you realize that the the struggle is real, y'all, Right? The crazy circumstances, the agonizing attacks that come into our life, the intensity of the fight, aren't there? I'll say this. For some of us, we understand, we get it. It's tough. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just kind of like, I don't know, God. This is what happens next, verse 2. And when King Hezekiah saw Sennacherib, And had come, and that his purpose was to make war against Jerusalem. So, check this out. Hezekiah sees Sennacherib. He says, I spy with my little eye, Sennacherib. (laughs) He's on his way. He's coming out to get us, Israelites. He's coming to cause a riot. And I love this. As soon as he saw him coming, Hezekiah decides, makes a decision to beat him at his own game, the first thing I want to share with you, when you're in a battle, prepare for the attack. It's going to happen. This is how Hezekiah deals with the attack in the midst of this battle. And I pray that all of us would see the thought behind why Hezekiah does these things. The first thing he says here in verse 3 is that he consulted with his leaders, right? Asking counsel, And then he says, and the commanders to stop the water from the springs, which are outside the city, and they helped him. Verse four, thus many people gathered together who stopped all the springs and the brook that ran through the land saying, why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? So what's happening here? They realize these Assyrians have access to our water. So guess what? We're not going to give it to them. We're going to find a way to stop it. But you can't do much without water, right? So what starts to happen here, Hezekiah we're going to come up with a plan. They're going to come at us. Well, guess what? We're going to be ready for them when they come. As it goes on, it says, um, verse 5, And he strengthened himself, built up all the wall that was broken, raised it up to the towers, and built another wall outside also, he prepared the a milo in the city of David and made weapons and shields in abundance. Then he set military captains over the people, gathered them together to him in the open square of the city. Let me just tell you, Hezekiah got busy. Check this: he repaired the walls, he stopped up the waters, he built towers, he constructed a second wall. And this wall wasn't like paper thin. This wall was thick. Not only did he do that, he reinforced the terraces. He even actually uh, got together and came up with a plan. I love this. When you know the enemy is coming soon, he took the offense. He took the offensive approach on the offense before he even got close. Can I tell you, when you take the offensive approach, you will be offensive to the enemy. You know I'm talking here when you say I know this week is kind of crazy and I know the enemy is going to try to taunt me try to try to push me try to bully me and so what I'm going to be ready for what's going on I'm going to be in my work think about this every time the enemy is trying to pull you in into the battle and to attack all of a sudden you start to pray he's like oh he's praying Every time you open up this word, ah, oh, he's reading the word. Every time you share or pray for somebody, the enemy's say, ah, oh, you're ruining his plans. Church, let's ruin the plans of the enemy. Let's be offensive to him, right? Am I offensive to the enemy? I'm not talking about picking a fight. I'm not trying to, we're taunting the enemy. But I'm saying, is my lifestyle, is the way that I live? So offensive from the enemy, he doesn't want to have anything to do with me. What fellowship does light have with darkness? I want to be all light. I'm not always all light, but I want to try. Um, anyone ever been in a fight before? You don't have to raise your hand. But if you've ever been in a fight before, um, and I've been in a handful. Okay, only two. All right, so only two, but one I remember, right? <laughs> one I remember and... and, and Part of it I instigated. I was in high school being dumb. And all I remember, I I got the first punch, and the rest were on me. (laughs) And I remember, I'm not going down, you know. (laughs) And that was my thing. You can hit me all you want, but I'm not going to go down. I remember I stood there, and it hurt. But I remember, this is is why I say this, the enemy, but he's not going to knock me out. Church, don't let him knock you out. He is a creation. We serve the creator. So because of that, so because of that, when he comes to taunt and to bully you and to make you think lies and deceive you, you tell him who your God is, the creator of the universe. So he prepared for the attack he created weapons. He mobilized the military. How did he do this? This is key. Go back to verse 5. First four words. And he strengthened himself. How do we strengthen ourselves? We ask. I believe David got a hold of this. In Psalm 86.16, when you get a chance to look this up, David says, give your strength to your servant. Why do I like that so much? David's not saying, increase my strength. My strength is very little. My strength runs out. My strength is temporary, but God's strength is endless. God's strength is limitless. David says, give your strength to your servant. David's saying, essentially, what you have, I want, and because I belong to you, Please give. Hezekiah, strengthen himself in the Lord. See, God did not promise the Israelites that they would not have, face, not, not have to face battles. God never said, if you enter into this promised land, you're never going to face battles. That's not what God said. I believe God said, I'm going to promise you that I will be with you. And as I'm with you, I will perform. I will fight for you. I will give you Victory in those areas of your life. Those areas of our life that's stubborn to us, that we're still trying to figure out, why do I still have that temper? Why, still, why do I still look at those things? Why am I still insecure? Why am I still so anxious about the pandemic? Why am I looking at the fact that could there be World, world War Three? We have a flood of thoughts, don't we? What will be with the future of my child who's out on the streets right now? What is her life after retirement? What will happen when my daughter has her first child? All these things flood our minds and we try to figure out. Prepare for the attack. I like this because it's this idea where Hezekiah says, I'm going to be prepared for when they come, I'll know what to do. John Corson has this quote. He says, do what you know, and when the time comes, you'll know what to do. Keep doing what you've been doing. Preparation. We want to be ready for God to use this. Us. Some people might say, well, Hezekiah didn't have faith. He, he did all these things in man's strength. I believe he had faith, but I believe he, God told him, get ready. This is an interesting thing, I think, a lot of times is that... Um, If God chooses to use the situation and the giftings and my preparation, so be it. But if he chooses not to use all his preparation, God's still God. But if he decides to use us, I want to be absolutely ready when you get called up. I don't want to be caught off guard. Um, I don't know if if there's any sports fans here. Um, College basketball, March Madness, ring a bell for anybody. Okay, so whether it is or isn't college basketball, or any sport for that matter. Let's take a college basketball player, and he uh, is on a specific team. He goes to every single practice, but all he does is sit on wood, on the bench. A whole season on the bench. But he goes to the practices. He's diligent. He gives it his all. Every single time in hopes that one day coach is going to call me again in the game. But game after game, game after game, he's still on the bench. And he's still at the practices, giving it all his all, come the playoff games. And he's sitting there thinking, man, I practice. I know the runs. I can do this. And all of a sudden the coach looks at him in his direction and is like, it's your time. And he excitedly gets there. Could you imagine if he wasn't prepared? He was ready. When God calls you off the bench, are you going to be ready? So what do I need to do to be ready? Let me tell you this. Be prayed up. Open up your word. Be spirit-led. Right? Put your armor on. Get your eyes on Jesus. These are things in which we can be prepared knowing that God's going to bring about the victory. So the first thing was simply that God was going to give them all that they needed in the midst of this. One thing I want to remind you here in Romans 8.31, what then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God is on your side... As God is with you, you have nothing to fear, right? The second thing that happens here, it says, the second part of verse 6, he gave them encouragement. This is Hezekiah. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria nor before all the multitude that is with him. For there are more with us than then with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and fight our battles. So if you've got a marker or a highlighter or something, underline that. To help us and fight our battles. There in verse 8. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Not only when you're in the midst of a battle, hear his words. There's nothing like God's word in your life. Amen? Amen. This Gives us strength. This gives us direction. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This is how I know how to live this life because of the word of God. And this is what Hezekiah said. He said, Be strong, be courageous, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed, be brave. Don't be discouraged because Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, don't be discouraged because they have 185,000 soldiers. Uh, 2 Kings 18 gives a greater, this is the condensed version of 2 Chronicles, but 2 Kings uh, 18 has a greater um, depiction of what happens in this. And could you imagine the Israelites? Hezekiah, haven't you seen? Haven't you heard? The Syrians are brutal. They're ruthless. They're out to get us. Hezekiah, their military is strong. Yep. They eat cities for breakfast. That's right. They cut off heads just for fun. Yep. Give us one reason why we should not be scared, why we shouldn't be fearful. Tell us, why shouldn't we be? And Hezekiah says, God. God. He says here simply, Before all the multitude that was with them, for there are more with us than then with them. If you're a Bible scholar, which many of you are, 2 Kings chapter 6, Elisha, you remember the story? Elisha has a servant there. In the morning, they wake up. Elisha sees chariots and horses of the Syrian army. He gets Elisha, 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 look, look, look. And Elisha says, simply, there are more with us than with them. And Elisha says, God opened his eyes that he would see. And what did Elisha see? A greater army of God than the physical military that he saw before him. Church, let's have eyes to see, not not the massive problems or the ongoing issues, but let's see our all-powerful, mighty God. In the battle, that as we hear his words, as we look to him, that we'll be able to say, with the Assyrians is an arm of flesh. They have man strength and military force. But on our side, we have the Lord our God. And it says here, to help us and fight our battles. Anyone here need God to fight your battle tonight? You know? They got nothing on our God. The power which with us is far greater on our side. Remember when Paul, when Jesus was speaking to Peter, and he says, upon this rock I will build my church. He says, and the, gate, the gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not prevail. Nothing can come against you. If God be for you, who can be against you, right? We sing this song a lot. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is higher than any other. May that be the banner of our life, church. Doesn't matter what's on the outside. Doesn't matter what's going on. Our God is so much greater. So hear his word. When was the last time you specifically heard the word of God and it changed you? It transformed you. It allowed you to see things that you couldn't see before. Lord, open my ears, to hear your voice. It says in Psalm 119.50, this is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. The word of God gives us life. It says that the word of God is living, it's active, it's powerful. How many have read a verse a handful of years ago and then you read it later and things just pop up differently than the first time you read it? Because it's alive see the word of God endures forever the Bible says the grass withers the flowers fade but the word of God the word of the Lord endures forever the power of God faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of man if you want some faith today see hearing the word of God grows our faith does it not But living out the word of God shows our faith. Not just be a hearer, but to be a doer. The Bible says here that the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Hezekiah's words greatly encouraged the people. If we backtrack to verse 5, what did it say about Hezekiah? And he strengthened himself. And now... The Bible says the people were strengthened by his words. You've got, you got to love this. God speaks to Hezekiah, strengthens him. Hezekiah speaks to the people, and they're strengthened. If you want to be a man or woman of God, pass on God's strength. Pass on how he's been in your life. In this room, I believe there's some great testimonies of how God has been your strength. When you are weak, he was strong. Share that. I don't know about you, but the power of testimony, when I hear about something happened in my brother's life, in my sister's life, and you see God's hand, I don't know about you, but that encouraged me. I believe God even a little bit more because I heard that story, because I saw that testimony, because I saw the work of God, right? Tonight, in the midst of your battle, be ready for the attack, but also keep hearing. Be so close to the Lord that when he whispers, you can hear him speak. How close are you to the Lord, that if He were to whisper, that you would be able to hear Him speak? But I do know this: When God speaks, there's another voice, or tons of other voices. Just because you're hearing the voice of God doesn't mean you're immune from hearing the voice of the enemy. And maybe tonight you need to remove the Sennacheribs in your life. You need to stay from the Assyrians. Who are speaking words of discouragement and of doubt, who are causing you to look to man, to look to the world, as opposed to looking to God. In these next 11 verses, verses 9 through 19, I'm going to go through it, but I want you to hear the tone because this is going to be Sennacherib's messenger speaking to the people of God. And their sole purpose is to break down the people of God. Is to plant negative thoughts in their head. Is to cause discouragement in their life. And I think for us, sometimes, when the voice of the enemy or the voice of the world speaks, it sometimes seems to be louder than God's voice. This is what that says here. Verse 9. After this, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, sent his servants to Jerusalem. But he and all the forces with him laid siege against Lachish, to Hezekiah, king of Judah, and to all who Judah who were in Jerusalem. Check this out, saying, Thus says Sennacherib, king of Assyria, in what do you trust that you remain under the siege in Jerusalem? So he's going to start with Hezekiah. Does not Hezekiah persuade you to give yourselves over to die by famine and by thirst, saying the Lord our God will deliver us from the land of the king of Assyria? Has not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, you shall worship before one altar and burn incense in it? The first set of verses here really talk about, hey, people of God, you can't trust Hezekiah. He's going to lead you to famine. He's going to lead you to thirst. Remember, he took out all your gods. You have no more spiritual security. What?" these messengers of Sennacherib are trying to do is what the enemy does with us, make a second guess. Does this sound familiar? Book of Genesis, Adam and Eve a little bit, right? Have you not? Did you not know? It goes on here. Verse 13. It says, Do you not know what I am and my fathers have done to all the peoples of other lands? Were the gods of the nations of those lands in any way able to deliver their lands out of my hand? Who was there among all the gods of those nations that my fathers utterly destroyed that could deliver his people from my hand, that your God should be able to deliver you from my hand? Now, therefore, do not let Hezekiah deceive you or persuade you like this, and do not believe him. For no God of any nation or kingdom was able to deliver his people from my hand or the hand of my fathers, how much less your God deliver you from my hand." So, talk about doubts, fear, anxiety, discouragement. They're saying, don't let Hezekiah make you look like a fool. Come on this side, convert, do a little something on this side. Lately, Our world is like that. The the line between good and evil, light and darkness is, is getting more defined, is it not? It's definitely this thing here is dark. And this thing here is light. And what the world does, social media, advertisements, whatever you want to say, it's trying to lure us, try to bring us into a place where what we thought was wrong becomes right. What becomes more acceptable? Uh, what's the word? To be more tolerant, right? Of certain lifestyles or certain things. Let me tell you, the only absolute is what this Bible says. And I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to choose to stick to it. As I look at this, the messengers of its it's intimidation. It's propaganda. It's a campaign of getting the people of God to side with the people of the world. Here's where it comes down. Verse 16. Furthermore, his servant spoke against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. He also wrote letters to revile, to attack The Lord God of Israel, and to speak against him, saying, As the gods of the nations of other lands have not delivered their people from my hand, so the God of Hezekiah will not deliver his people from my hand. Verse 18 Then he called out with a loud voice in Hebrew to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to frighten them and trouble them that they might take the city. Verse 19. And they spoke against the God of Jerusalem, against the gods of the people of the earth, the work of men's hands. Ooh, boy. They spoke against God. Not only did they speak against Hezekiah, but it says, your God is not greater than our military. Your God is not stronger than the people of Assyria. When they began to speak against the word of God, When he began to speak against the God of Hezekiah, it's this idea, you can talk about me, but don't talk about my God. I used to be a high school teacher at Narbonne, and I had a young lady in my class, and she she loved Jesus with all her heart. And she told me the story when she was on her way to get on the bus, the Gardena bus that went down Western. Uh, There was a gentleman, or a boy, uh, someone her age was in line, and he used a profanity with uh, the name of God, right? And she looked at him. She kind of hit him. like, don't you ever use my God, my father's name in vain. And then she slapped him. She probably shouldn't have slapped him, right? (laughs) But I love that in a sense. She was like, don't ever, ever talk about my God like that. What she did afterward, maybe not, not the best, but I love the passion, right? You can talk about me. You can even talk about my family. You can even talk about my church. Don't talk about my God. Because that's not even between me and you. That's between you and him. What happens here is going to directly impact the 185 soldiers. What happens here is going to directly impact Sennacherib. We're going to find out what happens as a result of them speaking against the Lord. But not only that they shouted the Bible said they shouted in a loud voice they in a loud voice in Hebrew the enemy spoke the language of the Israelites the enemy will often speak your language say things that are familiar to you great example if you've ever been in public and you hear a song from your past anyone do this you hear a song and it's a good song you know, Pastor Dan, it has a good beat. It really has a good beat. I don't like the, all the words, but it has a good beat, right? But we understand. We hear it, and what starts to happen, and this happened to me. I confess, I me the other day. I was somewhere getting food, and this song comes on, and I was like, oh, I remember that song. Oh, 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 oh. I'm just listening to the words, Lord. I'm just listening to the music, God. I'm not even, right? Well, what starts to happen? And I'm like, oh, oh. Or when you're in the car, and someone else is bumping a song that you know, and like, Let me roll down the, what song is that, right? It spoke my language. All I had to do was hear it. Church, let's be careful when the enemy tries to speak our language. Because it lures us back. We don't want to go back to Egypt. We're already in the promised land. The Israelites, they're a fickle people. They go back and forth. We had this, but we had this. Family of God, let's keep it real. Let's choose to live in the promised land and never go back to Egypt. So what goes on here I think is very important because in this shouting match between Sennacherib and his messengers, They're taunting, they're pushing, they're speaking their language. I think we always have to be aware that God wants us to hear his voice in the midst of this. There's a phenomenon that happens every day. And maybe you experience this. I do a lot. And it has to do with my cell phone. And throughout my day on my cell phone, there's a call and it's a number that I don't recognize. Anyone know where I'm going with this? And some of our uh, cell phone carriers label it what? potential, spam, risk, whatever, right? And it's a recording. It's a robocall, right? And I love it now because before they didn't have that, remember? It's like you just pick it up, hello, and it's a recording. But now it tells you, so it gives you the choice whether to pick it up or not. And how many are like me? I don't ever pick it up, right? I just let it. And sometimes it'll go into voicemail, right? And I'll let it go into voicemail. And I get so many. How many... Maybe you get one. How many of you get multiple messages a day, right? I'm right there. It's like, there's so many, I can't even keep up. And what happens if they leave a voicemail and I don't check for a week and there's multiple voicemails, my mailbox will become full, right? Has this happened to anyone, right? You don't delete the messages. And so when I don't delete it, when someone tries to call with a message I do want, your mailbox is full, right? Well, church, we got a lot of voicemail messages from the enemy. We need to press seven and delete. Don't let the enemy's messages in your inbox. Delete, delete, delete. When the enemy says you're not good enough, delete. When the enemy says you did that again, how could God love you? Delete. Delete. When the enemy says, I know what you did last summer, delete. (laughs) Keep your inbox full with the word of God. What happens here, I think, is revolutionary, and we should take a message from this. All these things happen, and verse 20, here it comes. Now, because of this, King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, which we know of, the son of Amos, prayed and cried out to heaven they recognize this battle check this out this battle even is not using weapons this battle isn't even using shields this is a verbal attack think about this the enemy doesn't have to throw a stone at you he can just say a word that's i thought that was revolutionary it's like they didn't even they didn't even throw arrows Not throw arrows. How do you do that? What do you call it? Shoot arrows, right? They didn't even shoot an arrow. All this was verbal, which tells me the greatest battle we have is right here. If the greatest battle is here, then let me protect it. Ephesians chapter 6, the helmet of salvation. This is a verbal attack, audible arrows, mental strike, right? Right? And what King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah decided to do, get together, we're going to have a prayer meeting. That's what happens here. They have a prayer meeting. They prayed. They cried. This is the Lord's battle. They had a, uh, a holy huddle, right? They fought. We sung it. They fought on their knees. Matthew 18, 20 says, "For two or three are gathered Together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. How is God going to deliver the Israelites from the Assyrians? Through prayer. They were prepared for the attack. They heard the word of God. Now their weapon of choice is not an arrow. It's not a shield. It's prayer. Go to God. Ask for help. Third thing I want to share with you, seek his face. Ask him. His way, not our way. His plans, not our plans. His thoughts, not our thoughts. When we gather together, church, God shows up. There is a quote. um, If you're familiar with Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest, right? This quote, which I love, it says, Prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. That idea that prayer isn't preparation for something good to do. Prayer is the great work. Prayer is keeping me in tune with God. Prayer gets me on the same page with God, right? The best thing I can do is come to the Lord. Come to him in prayer. God shows up when the people of God gather. I believe throughout this 10 days that we've been praying for the Ukraine, I believe God's shaking things up. You and I can't see it, but God sees it. He heard your prayer at 12:15 every day for the past 10 days he heard it and some of us some of our prayers like Sigh. you ever have those days like you don't even know what to pray but the bible says he knows the groanings he knows those things in us that we can't even articulate with words that's how god knows us intimately church let's dialogue with him daily Let's talk to God about those things that we're in battle for. Because this is what happens. Verse 21, I love this. Then the Lord sent an angel who cut down every mighty man of valor, leader, and uh, and captain in the camp of the king of Assyria. One act of defense from God. He sent one angel. Not angels. One. Okay? Who cut down every mighty man of valor, leader, captain, in the camp of the king of Assyria. 185,000 obliterated, annihilated, done, game over, right? Not 10. It wasn't Michael. It wasn't Gabriel. It wasn't an angel from the book of Revelations. wasn't a cherubim, a seraphim, just one. I wonder what that was like. God's all, yo, Bobby, your turn. Go down. Get off the bench. Ricky, come on. Come down, right? I, I can imagine God's like, all we need is one for one hundred eighty-five thousand. That's our God. You just say the word, God, and I'll be healed. Prayer brings results. The last thing I want to share with you is watch Him work. Hezekiah and Isaiah prayed. God sends an angel. The Syrians are defeated. God gets the victory. It belongs to him. If we backtrack to the book of Exodus, uh, one of my favorite, probably the most famous stories in the Old Testament happens to be with Moses and the crossing of the Red Sea. How many of you are all familiar with that story, right? And right before the crossing of the Red Sea in Exodus 15 or so, uh, Exodus 14:13. I want to read this to you. It says that when Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see forevermore. So this is before they cross the Red Sea. God speaks to Moses. Moses speaks to the people. And he says, don't be afraid, stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. Salvation is going to come from God. Sometimes we just need to learn to stand still and watch and see. My brothers and sisters, have you seen God do a miracle in your life? Have you seen testimonies? Have you seen praise reports? Have you seen the hand of God transform someone's life, right? Have you seen God provide miraculously? Have you ever seen God provide um, uh, the multiplied, what you had? Like, I thought I only had $5, $50, whoa, right? When God does that, you know it's him. The power of prayer, the power of seeing God work. Imagine this Israelites, the Egyptians are on their tail and God says, I'm gonna get you across. And as they cross, what happens? The Red Sea swallows up all the Egyptians whom they will see no more. Maybe tonight you say, God, part the Red Sea for me tonight. Move this area of guilt. Move this area of grief. Part the Red Sea that I might be able to walk. Because right now, God, I'm just standing still and I'm just watching. I'm watching and waiting for you to part the Red Sea. And once you part it, God, I'm going to walk. I'm going to walk. But God, please part that Red Sea. And I'll tell you, sometimes he'll say, I need to take a step. I don't want to take a step. Now I need you to take a step in order for me to part that Red Sea. If you've got this great, massive issue or problem in your life, stand still and watch God work. As you prepare for the attacks, as you hear his words, as you seek his face through prayer, you're going to see God. I shared this story, um, I think the last time, but I I, I kind of wanted to share this story in the sense that um, I think it applies to us and just seeing the hand of God. So when my wife and I got married, in our first six months, uh, the Lord uh, was showing us just to serve him, do what he wanted. And about six months into our marriage, Um, I get a call from her. She's going to work, and she had to go to urgent care. She was bleeding, and she have good news and bad news, okay? Good news, we're pregnant. Bad news, urgent care says, I'm going to lose. I'm going to miscarry. Okay, wow, that's, that's heavy. That's a big deal, right? Our first child, okay, might not be, and it was so soon, like maybe a month into the pregnancy. And the Lord led us to get a second opinion, to go someone Because we're like, Lord, what are you trying to do? Why would you allow this? And in a sense, take it away. We didn't get it. So he led us to Dr. Park. Dr. Park is a, a Korean doctor in the city of Downey Regional, um, but grew up as a missionary kid in Brazil. And when he saw us, he did the ultrasound. Uh, the baby didn't have a heartbeat yet. And he made this statement, this baby will live. See, medicine said abort. Do a DNC, and c get rid of it. This baby will not survive. And Dr. Park, who's trying to hear from God, said this baby will live. So what I need you to do, amen, right? I need you to do this, this, this. And at three months, because there was a fibroid there, in three months, we're going to do a surgery. To remove the fibroid so the baby can grow. Risky? Of course. Could you lose a baby? Uh huh. But we trusted God and we prayed and we said, Lord, let your will be done. And as they did the surgery, it was successful. And we were able to deliver our firstborn. And it's cool because have we listened to the world? Have we listened to what man says as opposed to what God says? Had my ears be attentive to that versus him? Had my eyes been on the situation instead of here? My brothers and sisters, it's time to start listening to what God says and not what man says. The beauty of all this, um, our son is 14 years old now. And... um, And all our other few kids, we said, Dr. Park, you're it. You're going to deliver all the rest of our kids. Dr. Park, deliver all of them. But one of the coolest things, because Pastor, I'm sorry, Dr. Park was a missionary kid. So our our oldest two are going on the Columbia mission trip in June. And I think, how cool is it that the enemy meant for evil, God means for good. God wants to do that for you. God wants to do that in your life. As we wrap this up, this is what happens. And I think we can gain from this. Verse 21, so he returned, and this is after all this happening and the men being annihilated. So Sennacherib returned, shamefaced to his own land, and when he had gone into the temple of his God, some of his own offspring, some of his children, struck him down with the sword. Game over for Sennacherib. Remember when you speak against God? You don't forget. They got what was coming to them. Because of his wickedness, God allowed him to be killed. But here, verse 22, Then the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others, and guided them on every side, and many gifts to the Lord at Jerusalem and presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was exalted inside of all the nations thereafter. The result of them preparing for the battle, hearing God's word, seeking his face, watching him work, is that God was on their every side. When you say God is on our side, guess what? He's on every side that you're at. Where you are, he is. He's omnipresent. He is with you. Psalm 139. If I go to the highest heights, if I go to the lowest lows, He knows when I sit, he knows when I stand, he knows the words before I even speak them. This is our God. God is on your side, and he's going to bring a victory. Ephesians chapter 6, we'll end with this. I want to read this to you because I think it's something that we can all hold on to in our walk with the Lord in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, when it refers to the armor of God, he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand. Paul, as he's writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, some of us familiar, he said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. And then the last part Verses 17 and 18. Paul says, No one stood with me. All forsook me. May, may you not hold it against them, God. And this is what he says. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is my God. This is our God. That he's going to stand with you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to allow the message to be proclaimed through your life. And he will. He will deliver you out of the mouth of a lion. And he will deliver you from every evil work and preserve you from his heavenly kingdom. Tonight, the Lord stood with Paul in his battles. And the Lord stands with you in your battles. You are not alone. God is on your side. And as we close tonight... Um, Maybe it's time for some of us to say, I'm going to stand for God. I'm going to stand and watch and see this Red Sea part. God, I'm going to stand and wait until my prodigal son or daughter comes back home. God, I'm going to stand and see you speak to that hardened relative that I've been talking to and praying for, Lord. God, you're going to take the little that I have and you're going to bring increase. Tonight, as we close out in this song, um, if you want to proclaim your love for God in the sense that, God, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand where you tell me. Even when I don't feel like standing on a stand and maybe just in the midst of this last worship song, as God prompts your heart, you say, I'm going to stand because I love the Lord. I'm going to stand because I know he's going to fight my battles. I'm going to stand because he's going to give me victory. That As we close out, that you would be bold and courageous. Remember what Hezekiah said? Don't be fearful. Be strong and courageous. Be brave. Don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. He strengthened himself in the Lord. And maybe tonight you just need a little bit of strength from God. Not your strength, but his strength to help you to stand in the midst of the battle. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for what you've done and what you're going to continue to do. Thank you, God, that you stand with us in the midst of our battles and that you bring about victory as you did for the Israelites. You bring victory for us. And God, irrelevant of the outcome, you are with us. You stand with us. And so, God, even throughout this last song, God, would you impress upon our hearts to stand for you, to stand because you stand by us in our battle. You deliver us from the mouth of the lion. You deliver us from every evil work. You are God. We thank you, Lord. We love you. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.